This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. There is nothing wrong with your radio. Do not attempt to adjust the frequency. We are controlling transmission. You are about to experience the awe and mystery which reaches from the inner mind to the outer limit frequency. Good evening, my name is Sam. My name is Ricardo. And this is the Outer Limit Frequency. This episode is dedicated to the memories of Betty Davis and Ian MacDonald. So we originally had a completely different episode planned for this week. However, for a while I've been wanting to do a bit of a feature on one of my favourite artists, and due to his recent death, it feels like a good time to have a little look at the man they called Meatloaf. And because we all hear his popular songs possibly a little too often, tonight we take our next unexpected stop on our B-Sides tour. The dude had a ridiculous amount of great songs, so it seems like we absolutely should highlight some of those that have been overlooked for far too long. Out of every Meatloaf album ever released, the hardest one to find a B-side for is his first, and most popular album, Bat Out of Hell. Because of the seven tracks, five of them were released as singles. And I'll be honest, this isn't actually among my top few Meatloaf albums, probably sitting at like number four or five, but that just shows how strong his best albums were. This is from top to bottom an absolute treasure of an album, and as such the two B-sides are just as good if not better than some of the singles. Between For Crying Out Loud and Heaven Can Wait though, I'll have to go with the latter. i uh-huh. 
just like a child again. Heaven can wait, and all I got is time to give the time. Well, I won't look back. I won't look back. Let the water shine. success of Bat Out of Hell, Dead Ringer had a lot to live up to, and you can tell that Meats really wanted to deliver. Unfortunately, Dead Ringer is fairly famous for its lack of delivery, underwhelming production, and general directionlessness. There were many hands behind the wheel of Bat Out of Hell, such as producer Todd Rundgren, who did not return for the follow-up, and it shows in the final product. And the previous few years of Excess had been very hard on Meats' voice, which was another fairly accurate criticism levelled at the record. Something that the album did successfully show off, however, was Meatloaf's star power potential, with multimedia megastar Cher appearing to duet on the album's almost title track, Dead Ringer for Love. There were still plenty of choice guest features to come, but having the talented half of Sonny and Cher appearing on just your second record is some kind of statement. But since that's a single because, like, obviously it was, instead we'll be listening to the album's closing track, Everything is Permitted. Permitted Ooh, 
Bad Attitude, the fourth album from Meatloaf, is often completely overlooked, and I kind of understand that. It's not the epic that Bad Out of Hell was, not as dramatic as Dead Ringer, and the less said about Midnight at the Lost and Found, the better. But Bad Attitude is a good, solid, hard rock album.
1993, Meats and Steinman made their most audacious move to date, resurrecting the Bat Out of Hell name for a sequel. And while intentionally trading on nostalgia is often seen as the death of creativity, they made a record that was more than a worthy successor to the original, and Bat Out of Hell 2, Back Into Hell, was a masterpiece in its own right. It is absolutely crammed to the gills with all of the drama and bombast that the name would imply. I mean, why would you bring back the Bat Out of Hell name if you weren't going to go all out with it? And they went all out with it. Bat Out of Hell 2 was a critical and commercial success. To date, it has sold over 14 million copies, and it produced some of the biggest hits of Meats' career. This is the record that gave us I'd Do Anything for Love, But I Won't Do That, Rock and Roll Dream Has Come True, and fan favourite Life is a Lemon and I Want My Money Back. In case these song titles didn't clue you in, Meatloaf was back in fine form and as verbose as ever. But do not sleep on some of the lesser-known tracks on this album as there really aren't any duds. So, for your consideration at this point, this is Out of the Frying Pan and Into the Fire. Open the door, lay down on the bed. The 
Out of Hell 2, Welcome to the Neighborhood is, to me at least, the very best of Meatloaf. It's another album that obviously suffers from the not-called-bad-out-of-hell label, but it definitely shouldn't be ignored. The only off-putting thing is this weird Americana vibe running throughout, but that's just a minor gripe when compared to the quality of the actual music. With songs written by Jim Steinman, Diane Warren, Sammy Hager, and Tom Waits, there's just... Honestly, nothing more I can really say. This was one of the albums that my dad had when I was growing up, and one of the few that he let me borrow is he didn't really care for it. So maybe there's a small nostalgia factor there, but I swear it's actually gotten better with age. This is Original Sin.
I've been looking for an original scene One with a twist and a bit of a spin And since I've done all the old ones Till they've all been done in Now I'm just looking Then I'm gone with the wind Endlessly searching for an original You can dance forever You got a fire in your feet But will it ever be enough? You know that it'll never be enough You can fly and never land And never need to sleep But will it ever be enough? You know that it'll never be enough it's not enough to make the nightmares go away Not enough to make the tears run dry Not enough to live a little better every day Everything that they taught us was nothing but lies Everything that they taught us was nothing but lies Yeah. 
applying for a license to thrill Going out on the edge, moving in for the kill And there'll be hell to pay someday Put it all on the bill Cause we'll always be paying and paying until we're beyond expiration with a license to three. Having crossed into the new millennium, Meatloaf was in need of a statement album that proved he could remain relevant in these rapidly changing times. That statement became his eighth record, 2003's Couldn't Have Said It Better. This was only the third time that Meats had made an entire record without Jim Steinman, but it certainly didn't suffer any loss in quality because of that. In fact, Meats has gone on record to say that it is the most perfect record he had made since the original Bat Out of Hell, and I'm inclined to agree with him. Compared to Midnight at the Lost and Found and Blind Before I Stop, Couldn't Have Said It Better came across a lot more confidently and self-assured without his frequent collaborator by his side. It was around this time that Meatloaf's touring efforts really stepped up a notch as well, making him one of the most prolific live music acts of the day. And while many his position used new albums as MacGuffins to launch multi-million dollar tours, Meatloaf was never content to do things the easy way, and generally wanted to put his best foot forward every step of the way. So my selection for this episode from Couldn't Have Said It Better is the song Do It, arguably one of his best ever straightforward rock tracks. Shit, 
By the time Bad Out of Hell 3, The Monster is Loose, was released in 2006, people were not exactly as high on Meatloaf as they once were. This really was not anything to do with a drop in quality, so much as it was just his style of music wasn't, well, it wasn't exactly popular anymore. You don't hear you took the words right out of my mouth repeated 15 times a day on the big commercial radio stations like you do other more simplistic kinds of music. But Bad Out of Hell 3 is pretty good. Sure, it's the weakest of the trilogy, but it was always going to be tough to live up to that legacy. It may, however, be even more ridiculously epic than Part 2, so it makes up for it in that regard. The lead single, It's All Coming Back to Me Now, was one of his best singles since Part 2. But for some reason, the album as a whole just didn't quite click like that one song did. Some of the choices of songwriters were also rather unexpected, with John Five and Nicky Six lending their talents. With John Five even playing guitar on the opening track, with guest spots from Brian May, Steve Vai, Jennifer Hudson, and of course John Five, this was also the most star-studded Meatloaf album to date.
Ever since Hankool Teddy Bear was released in 2010, I've been trying to figure out if I hate the name or love it. It's cheesy as hell, and it feels gross to say, but it also just kind of fits the album so well. And that's not really a bad thing, mostly. Hankool Teddy Bear... Could have been one of the very best albums from Meatloaf, if not for a few songs. The lead single, Los Angelusa, is without doubt one of the worst things to ever make its way onto one of these albums, and I really do wish I could forget it, but man, it's disgustingly catchy. The closing track, Elvis in Vegas, also just kind of annoys me, and it wasn't until much later that I found out that the song was written by John Bon Jovi that it made sense. But then you have pretty much everything else on the album. It's all pretty top tier, and it actually tops Bad Out of Hell 3 in terms of guest stars as well. Because you have Steve Vai and Brian May from the last album, but you also get Justin Hawkins from The Darkness, Jack Black, and Hugh Laurie, absolutely killing on piano. It's really hard to pick a track here, but for the guest stars alone, it's got to go to Love Is Not Real, featuring Brian May, Steve Vai, and Justin Hawkins. I'm acting like a good man. 
Meatloaf released his 12th studio album in 2016, Braver Than We Are. Not only would this be his final album, so too was it Jim Steinman's final album before his passing in 2021. 40 years after his initial breakthrough, I think it's safe to say that even Meats' most diehard fans weren't expecting too much from Braver Than We Are. But those lowered expectations make the album's cleverness and small victories all the sweeter. And as far as statements of intent go, you simply can't go wrong with the opening track, Who Needs the Young? There's something so disarmingly self-aware about the sentiments not only in this song, but carried out through the album that you can't help but smile at the absurdity of it. Especially, like in this song's case, when that absurdity is constructed out of waltz, doo-wop, vaudeville and Louisiana jazz. For the life of me, I can't understand why it wasn't chosen as one of the singles from the album. It's certainly more interesting than what the record company ended up choosing. Perhaps it involved a little too much fourth wall breaking for comfort. But worst of all, we never got a definitive answer to the question, who needs the young? Of 
does it for our b-sides episode on meatloaf and if you liked what you heard jump on to spotify and check out some of our old episodes there's a whole lot of them waiting for you and since you're joining us next week we're going to take a look at some of the cool cats who have been doing very cool things with jazz in the 21st century we'll see you then cool cats thanks for listening to this free fm podcast if you want to hear more content like this you can support free fm via patreon Head to patreon.com slash freefm89 to find out more.